That's what I was talking no, about. Come on, That's man. exactly what I was talking about. Why wouldn't we want them to find us? <laughs> no, not the church or New Newman University Church on St. Stephen. We're no, here every secret. day. It's secret. It's not Fridays and Saturdays. You know what they say hide your light under a bushel. <laughs> Speaking of lights, <laughs> we have a happy light. We have a happy light. We do. Um, and it's hidden. And we were all talking. I'm not sure exactly what a happy light consists of. Mm. But um, we've been shining in our faces for the last two yeah. days, so. So, yeah. Yeah, so today, what we're going to talk about is Rome, because we did not debrief on that. That's right. We, we did, I don't know if you guys heard, we did this little thing called going to a canonization, like, and we forgot to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, because we got excited about spooky things. We did, actually. So we had yeah. reason not to talk about it, but oof, it was big, wasn't it, Maddie? <laughs> it was. There were a lot of people there, and St. Peter's is large. <laughs> That's true. We, we actually lost churches. Maddie at one point. Like, like a child in a supermarket, Maddie went, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And we, so we said, don't worry, we'll meet you on the inside. Actually, though, oh, the water yeah. bottles got I thought this was a joke, but that was real. Yeah. Wait, what? I got lost. Do you not remember that before y'all went into St. Peter's? Yeah. I went to the bathroom and then could oh, not find y'all. Yeah. No, that was more of a personal problem on <laughs> all of our behalves. Because our group couldn't get it together. That's true. Um, we don't need to talk about that. No, Maddie and I got our water bottles confiscated, remember that? That's right. We and then we got them back. Yeah. Because St. Anthony loves us. And because the guards were kind at the end. <laughs> and confused. And confused. Um, what was your favorite part of the trip, Shane? Oh, I enjoyed feeling like Newman was there with us kind of the whole time. We, there was a moment that we all have shared with other friends uh, about when we sang together some of Newman's hymns at the top of our hotel. That's obviously a highlight, but I also really enjoyed getting to see places where saints frequented, like um, St. Ignatius's like, offices, or the church themselves, or, sorry, churches themselves, like Philip Neri and uh, Chiesa Nuova and such. Yeah, so we had Mass at Chiesa Nuova, which mm -hmm. is St. Philip Neri's place. Yep. We had Mass at the Pontifical Irish College. That's right. We had Mass, no we didn't, we went to Ignatius's <laughs> apartments, mm -hmm. slash mass at Church Paul of the Jesu. We went to Mass outside the walls. <laughs> That's not what it's called. St. Paul Saint outside Paul's the walls. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of Masses. Yeah, it was fun. We yeah. went to the canonization Mass. Mm -hmm. Oh, the big Mass. It was fun. There were five saints canonized in all, yeah. and it was a good time had by all. Yeah. It was, Have I, you I, list all five of those saints? No, I don't, because I can't. <laughs> I mean, some, like Maria Thresia. I know what yeah. they look like. One's Me from too. Switzerland, India. Brazil, India, Dulce, Italy. That's right. She's from Brazil, right? From Brazil, and then um, there's there was, one from Rome. That's right. One from Switzerland. The late one. Mm -hmm. One from England. Don't remember his name. Yeah, <laughs> he was the only guy. He was the only, yeah, there were four women canonized. That's right. Which yeah, is really cool. cool. Yeah. And we went to all our favorite gelato places. <laughs> Several times. And we walked a lot of steps. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was we, a good trip. We did it alongside a, a group of like 50 people, right? With um, people from our parish and some of our friends and peers were yeah, with us the whole time. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. It was a good time. <laughs> good time had by all and let's do it again sometime. <laughs> when one of us is canonized. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> You'd be dead, but. Yeah. Who uh, wants to die? Or maybe what? we'll be like Pope 
uh, St. Gregory the Great, who was canonized before he died. Oh. Yeah. Was that official? Oh, I thought it, I thought it was yeah. always just like, oh, like he's essentially a saint, but he was actually canonized. No, he was canonized before he died, and so <laughs> in all like, like a um, order of operations. Issue. All like artistic representations of him have him with a square halo because that means you were a saint before you died. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. How much would it suck to be a saint on Earth? Because that isn't heaven. You don't, yeah, and you don't know yet. Well, in fact, Gregory the Great was in severe pain at all times. <laughs> I can't speak for him, but... <laughs> I had to go. <laughs> Speaking of speaking for saints... Um, what? No, nice talk- transition, Shane. <laughs> we're talking about how when you read saint stories, they're like, so-and-so was like really annoying to their peers. And you're like, who wrote that in their biography? Yeah, I love yeah. when they write things that are kind of mean or like, she was really ugly. Like, <laughs> and really, oh, really sickly as a child. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to talk about St. Joan of Arc today. And uh, there were like several articles that were like, she was an illiterate peasant. And I was like, why can't <laughs> you She's say a that? dumb-dumb. Like, <laughs> It's accurate. Like, yeah, it's accurate, but why do we have to put it yeah. in every single one? I don't know. So we're all going to talk about our confirmation saints and why we chose them and then their stories. And I think it's fun because that's kind of what we're going to do with our sixth class students, mm-hmm. hopefully, mm-hmm. when they choose their saints. And we yeah. decided to go in chronological order, yeah. which means Madison Lofton gets to go first. Wow. Using because she is the youngest. <laughs> Not. Um, well, yeah, but no, <laughs> but no. no. <laughs> it's because St. Joan of Arc is the least recent of these saints um, that we're going to talk about. Uh, I chose St. Joan of Arc for my confirmation saint because my granny's name was Joan and mm, wow. I admired her a lot, still do, um, and I just um, always... Loved the name Joan, honestly. Um, my mom was going to name me Joan, um, oh. but my granny hated her name and told my mom not to <laughs> name me that because she hated it. But that's why I chose her. There wasn't really any deep meaning behind it besides I love my granny. Hmm. How old were you when you got confirmed? So, like, how old were you when you made this decision? I was in eighth grade, so I okay. would have been 13. Same, I was in eighth yeah. grade. What about mm-hmm. you, Shane? I believe I was also in eighth grade, yes. Wow. So, the American wow. wow. No, a lot of dioceses do sixth grade and twelfth grade, too. Yeah. I had a lot of, um, when I worked with high schoolers with Notre Dame Vision, a lot of them like hadn't been confirmed yet. Mm-hmm. They were going to do it sophomore year yeah. of high school, which seemed late to me, but I actually think yeah, that's better yeah. if you, the later it you is. do it, the more you understand what's happening. I'm going to need some help with the French pronunciations of these places. Wait, my person's French too. Is yours French? Wow. I, mine's French Swiss. Yeah. Stop. Wow. What does that mean? Well, we're the Italian household. What does yeah. this mean for our identity? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a, it's a God incident. <laughs> <laughs> What? You just told a joke and then laughed. Ah! <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, she was born in 1412 in a tiny town in France that well, is spelled like that. Dom Rémy. <laughs> yes, it's near Lorraine. It's in northern France, and all the articles were like, this is a tiny insignificant town, and yeah, it's a village. 
Anyway, when she was super, super young, she started to hear the voices of St. Catherine, St. Michael, and St. Margaret. That's cool. Oh, that's that's real cool. cool. St. Catherine? <laughs> I'm a little jealous. not going to lie. That's yeah. why one of our cards in our game is a thumbs up from St. Catherine. It's like, whoa. No, it's because her thumb is in Sienna. That was that incorrect. one, too. Yeah. yeah. But I thought oh. it was also because like, she didn't give like her strict approval to many people. Oh. She was always very fierce. Maybe. No, I yeah. think it's because her thumb is there. Oh, that makes more sense. Okay. See it. Literal thumbs up. Maybe both. Yeah. Anyway. I, I'm wondering about this, too. Why, what do you think those saints had in common? Because St. Catherine, that was Italian. St. Okay. Michael is an archangel. Mm-hmm. And St. Margaret, I don't know anything about St. Margaret, Which Margaret actually. is it? Yeah, it could be. Everything just said St. Margaret. They're all bad I don't want to say it. (laughs) Really cool people. I don't know about about Margaret, but in a way, Catherine was a warrior for unifying the church. She was the one who brought back the popes from Avignon when they were divided. Yeah. So she's considered one who unified a a split church. Wow. Which is kind of something that I think Joan could be said to have done. Yeah, Mm -hmm. St. Michael, the archangel, like uh, portrayed as a warrior, which, um, which angel is that that's always like an armor? Uh, Michael. 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 Michael's the one who cast Satan into hell, supposedly. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And all the evil spirits who prowl about the world Mm -hmm. seeking the ruin of souls? Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's the the common motif in my grandpa's town is Michael casting down uh, demons. Oh, yeah, I think. Statues. I think so. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, And we don't know about St. Margaret. I don't know which one it is. Yeah. Let's Google it. Google? Yeah, um, so, and then when she was 13, she began to have visions of these three saints. So she had, you know, been hearing their voices for a long time and didn't actually see them until she was 13. And they told her to drive the English from French territory uh, during the 100 Years War, which is what they were in. Um, And they also told her to bring Charles to, I need Shane to pronounce this for me. Bring the what to what for coronation? (laughs) Dauphin to Rennes. Okay, her coronation. So she was supposed to bring Charles Charles VII to Rems for coronation. Um, and so basically she petitioned the garrison commander twice. Uh, wow. The first time he responded really sarcastically, so she left. Second time she came back and he still was like, nah. But two of his soldiers left with her uh, and supported her. She basically what got the support of the garrison commander, finally. Um, she predicted this military reversal, which I don't actually know what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, she predicted the turn of a battle, I guess. Right, and there was no possible way for her to know that this would happen. And um, she predicted it days before wow. um, the garrison commander received word of it. And he was just like, there's no physical way that she could have received this message before mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So I guess... She had prophecy in a way. Right, like, yeah. right. So she's obviously... Mm-hmm. Something divine is going on here, so I better stick with her. So she really shot up from a small village to being in the company of royalty. Because I just learned yeah. that the Dauphin is the, the heir apparent to the throne. Yeah. And so it's more or less she's among, in and among military and political leaders right away. Right. Wow. Right. And as every website told me, she was an illiterate peasant. So it's, it's quite it's shocking. Like really not not something that would have happened often. Um, And I have this quote from her that I really liked. Um, It says, I must be at the king's side. There will be no help if not from me. Although I would rather have remained spinning wool at my mother's side. I'm, uh, yet must I go and must I do this thing for the Lord? My Lord wills that I do so. Um, Wow. Yeah. I think that's, that is cool. It's fascinating. Sort of a parallel to Mary, I think. Oh, for sure. uh, 
you know, taking, mm-hmm. taking what God tells you to do um, and doing it. So she crossed the country wearing male armor, and this was actually at the request of the soldiers who were accompanying her, the three, you know, the garrison commander and then the two that had supported her before she got the garrison commander on board. Uh And so she crossed wearing male armor. They said it was for her safety and protection. Um, And she went, you know, across the country, won the trust of Charles VII. Wow. Um, Who's the king, correct? Well, she brought him to his coronation. Oh, okay, um, my bad. Yeah, so right. this is the... The heir. The heir, yeah. And so he donated all of her armor and supplies to her, um, and his advisors were very wary of her and said that she, because of, she's claiming to have these visions, they said she could be accused of being a sorceress, um, and mm-hmm. he, should, he should distance himself from her. Right. Um, Just in case she performs any mirror magic or some divination. There's probably so many mirrors out there. <laughs> in and they, 1400 the Palace of Versailles, the Hall of Mirrors, am I right? Uh, Which did exist at that time. Did it? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't know anything about history. Anyway. <laughs> Let's see. In April 1429. When? when? So basically, the advisors. Um, set a commission of inquiry to investigate Joan and decide whether or not she's um, spewing BS, really. And the commission of inquiry, um, this is a quote, declared her to be of irreproachable life, a good Christian, possessed of the virtues of humility, honesty, and simplicity. And so they, basically, they didn't really give a decision to Charles VII on whether or not she was lying or not. They just said there was a favorable presumption on the divine nature of her mission. Um, So they were like, we don't know, but probably. Um, (laughs) Speaking around things, yeah. Yeah. Um, And so she starts leading the French army, um, which is incredible. She says that... Wait, what a nonchalant sentence. So she starts leading the French (laughs) The largest army in the world at the time. Yes. (laughs) Or in Europe, at least, yeah. Yeah, and think about, like, Charles VII so trusting a 16-year-old girl that he's like, sure, I'll donate all of your armor. Such a bold and capital R romantic person, you know what I mean? Like, she just Mm -hmm. believed in, like, these big duties and glorious kind of uh, devotions, you know? Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, And so she said that she never killed anyone and only carried her banner into battle. And the (laughs) French army said they said they, she was still, even though she didn't ever directly kill anyone, she was super instrumental to the victory that the French had at, uh, I'm going to pronounce this Orleans because there's a new Orleans, but Orleans. Orleans. Because the soldiers all took her advice as divinely inspired. They all really trusted her. And Uh um, so they won this siege at Orléans. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was the first offensive assault the French had made in this war in five months. Um, And this also... Yeah. So the king and his advisors also had decided that this siege was going to be a test of Joan's uh, divine inspiration. Because she had said that she would win this siege. That's almost like the temptation of Christ, though, where they're like, if you are the Lord, like, do this miracle. For yeah, they didn't us. tell crazy. her, though. They you didn't know, tell I'm her sure, that. Yeah. But that's wild. Like, they didn't tell her that she, uh, they were testing her. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
and they actually like specifically withheld military information information from her um and she didn't know any of that was going on but she won um so they were like oh well okay um she is obviously there's something going on because wow yeah she did what she said she was gonna do and we like actually tried to hinder that happening to see if it would be a miracle um and also during this battle she was shot um with an arrow and she just kept going until the end of the battle um and like i said she only carried her banner she didn't have any sort of like yeah she she wasn't there to attack people yeah she had armor and stuff but like yeah she just you know kept going i think she took a brief break they took the arrow out and then (laughs) she came back and um that's stunning yeah and she started reclaiming a bunch of cities for France. And every single one of the battles she led ended in victory. Um, there was one battle um, in which she was trying to protect the, the citizens of the town um, while this battle was occurring. And she was bucked off of her horse and the gates to the city closed before she could come in and so she was captured by burgundian troops they left their leader out yeah and then um she was held for ransom and then sold to the english Hmm. Uh, and there were a total of 70 charges leveled against her by the english she was tried as a heretic, witch, cross-dresser, and, you know, mm. those were the main <laughs> ones. It's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta ta- give them their due credit. Okay. Yeah. And uh, what no. I have written here is, this trial was BS. Uh, no, 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 no. I, think you, I was going to say, I think you have to read it like it's written. <laughs> this trial was BS. Um, basically, no one was able to find any evidence against her supporting these charges, but... Clergy were threatened if they supported her. Um, they were told they would be killed by uh, the English. And so was the Vice Inquisitor of Northern France, who was really outspoken about how he didn't think she should be tried for these things. Um, and like a witch hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were like, we will kill you if you keep supporting her. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, the jury um, was completely English, even though the law at the time dictated that there had to be equal... English supporters and French supporters on the jury, and she was denied the right to legal counsel. And all of this was actually very illegal, even in medieval Europe. (laughs) Shrewd political move. Right. Um, But there's not even, like, a question of, like, oh, it was medieval times. Like, they had, you know, different legal standards. No, like, this was all very illegal. It's all very shady, yeah. Yeah, and shady, and everyone knew it was shady. And um, I would... So it says that eyewitnesses at the trial were amazed at some of Joan's responses to interrogation because, you know, she couldn't read. She had no formal theological training. And um, probably the most well-known exchange was when Joan, um, so she was asked if she knew she was in God's grace. And her answer was, if I am not, may God put me there. And if I am, may God so keep me. Mm -hmm. And this question was designed as a trap because... Wow. Church. They wanted her to like, like say, "Oh yes, I am," which would have been proud, wouldn't it? Well, it would have been heresy right. if she said yes because you can't know if you're in God's grace, right. basically. Exactly. Um, so she would have been convicted as a heretic so if she, she said that. She answered wisely. Yeah, and if she answered no, then she would have been, you know, confessing that she was lying about being, was lying yeah. about. So, so everyone was just kind of stumped because they thought they would get her on that. <laughs> um, and after after um, 
the trial ended, um, the English altered parts of the transcript to more fa- uh, to favor the English. And I witness as a I want to get nationalistic yeah. here, but classic English. <laughs> no, I was like right? another reason the English had that. <laughs> One of the worst parts I thought about this is Charles VII wanted to distance himself from her. He owed oh, his is... coronation to her, mm-hmm. and he wanted to distance himself from her so that he would maintain oh, credibility, right. and he made no attempt to negotiate her release. She was then forced to sign a document saying that she had never received divine guidance. Um, she was you know, threatened with her life and under serious pressure to sign that. Um, this was also really, I, this part made me so sad. So she was kept in a secular prison, even though the law of the day required her to be in a, like, religious captivity. She should have been kept, you know, in a convent with nuns. And the bishop actually denied her request to be moved to a religious prison. This made her more vulnerable to sexual assault. And then an English lord oh apparently gosh. came into her cell and tried to assault her. And so she started wearing her male military clothing to protect herself. And after this, oh. she was accused of cross-dressing again. Um, and luckily, yeah. So this is, I was talking to Catherine about this before. There was a history website I was looking at um, that was describing this trial. And they were like, um, in this year, Joan directly disobeyed orders by cross-dressing again. And I was like, there was a specific reason for that. Like, <laughs> no, no, she just like, yep, I'm going to go do it. Like, yeah. I love cross-dressing yeah. so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, yeah. There was a specific reason, right. um, that yeah. she did this for her own safety. And luckily the inquisitor struck that charge down, um, because Jeez. he said, you need to look at the context. And he struck down the other cross-dressing charge of when she was traveling across France and he said that she basically needed to wear male military armor um, for protection and safety. So luckily all the cross-dressing charges were dropped, but it's just so gross that, you know, she did this to protect herself, and then they were like, oh, well, we gotcha, you know. So I also have written down there was literally no evidence against her for these charges. There really wasn't. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of insecurity as to why people were charging her with these things, you know. Yeah. No one could find anything supporting that she was a heretic, no one could find anything supporting that she was a witch. Like, it just it was so ridiculous. Um, so even after all of this, this, like, long, arduous trial where people really dug deep and investigated her and questioned her to the point of exhaustion, and there was still no evidence, but they convicted her anyway. Um, and she was condemned to die in 1431. She was burned at the stake on May 30th. And this is also so sad um after she died the english burned her body two more times so that no one could collect relics from her then they threw her ashes into the Seine river the sen sen yeah. river but there is <laughs> something good that comes after this um joan's mother and the inquisitor general requested a posthumous retrial after the war ended because they said that was not fair um and the appellate court declared that the trial was completely unfair, and Joan was declared innocent in 1456. Hmm. And she was canonized by Pope Benedict the 15th in 1920. So there was some, you know, justice after death. Um, and it was interesting to me that her mother was one of the ones pushing that. Yeah, um, yeah. that's such a BA. I know. Um, since your confirmation, have you grown to appreciate her more? Or because you said you chose her because it's kind of a family name. Yeah. But 
when did you finally like come to appreciate her? Because I think sometimes it's yeah. not necessarily at your confirmation. Yeah, no, I've definitely grown to appreciate her even more. After my confirmation, um, I just, you know, kept reading about her, kept, um, I don't know, thinking about how cool she was, <laughs> you know, and um, I think probably actually the the time when I felt like closest to her was after my granny had died mm -hmm. and um, I felt like I could sort of still connect with my granny on that level because I was connected to that saint that I had chosen because of her and I just I will seek out you know statues of Joan there's um, a statue of her in um, San Luigi dei Francesi in mm -hmm. Rome and I would go um, uh, wow. go talk to her a little bit um, whenever I was in Rome um, and I have not been to France very often um, I, I went once to France but it was like south um, you know the south area region of France um, so not really anywhere near where she was born or grew up and she was also beatified in Notre Dame um, oh you know, really? Yeah. I didn't know that yeah, she was beatified there, um, and so I would really like to go visit there yeah. um, for her. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Yeah. She's such a good saint. She is. A lot of people pray to her. I think of my one of my best friends, her name's Joan, and so yeah. I, I especially mm -hmm. love yeah. my friend, but yeah. Yeah. She's a good saint. Yeah. She's a good saint for um, our millennia. I think so, and I think, like, um, I don't know, one of the things... That I think I've had to have a lot of when I've been like reclaiming my faith is courage, and it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be that um, sort of militant, um, very obvious courage. But mm -hmm. I think I think praying to Joan has been really good for me. Mm -hmm. um, asking her to intercede for me That's um, has been really good for me in that sense. You can cut this part out if you don't know the answer. Okay. Why is it Joan of Arc? What's the? Did you say that already? Arc. Where does that? Come Ooh, from? I. Oof. I'm going to look that up, actually. Because I knew at one point. Is it a location? I don't know. A it's ARC, right? Yep. Is that the like oh, region she's from? This is different. Because I, I mean, St. Joan isn't a popular saint name. So You're I think it's really one. interesting that usually you say Joan well, of Arc. Okay, so it says the surname of Arc is a translation of... Um, this French surname. It's a 19th century French approximation of her father's name. There we Interesting. Go. So yeah, it's sort of her last name. And then before Joan of Arc became standard, literature and artistic works that refer to her often describe her as whatever this is, or the maid of Orléans. La Pucelle. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Maddie. That's cool, yeah. fascinating. Yeah. I actually cool. didn't realize that much about her. Yeah, I did not know that whole story. Yeah. I, I, did, I knew the basics. It's wild how much yeah. of her life mimicked biblical stories. So like, much. one, yeah. she sounds like a David character coming out of, like, the wilderness. Not wilderness, but, like, a small town. Two, she's sold off like Joseph was, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it's just, like, there's all these, like, parallels as to where she's kind of living. And then a martyr, yeah. like Christ, in a way, put on trial, you know, yeah. for something that wasn't totally. true. An so, unfair trial. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Unfair. And so there just seem to be all these like parallels in her life to biblical characters. It's fascinating. Yeah, I don't think I realized how unfair this trial was until I um, read, up on, read yeah. up on it. And I think that, I don't know, 
if it was possible, I um, respect her even more now because um, <laughs> yeah. I respected her so much before. Right. Um, it's funny how that works. Like, yeah. Um, if I may, I just wanted to say that I, I also didn't have any reason to like really know why I picked my saint at yeah. first. Like um, at the time, uh, should I just jump into saying who my saint yeah, is? Yeah, do okay. it. Um, my saint is uh, Saint Francis de Sales or de Sales, however you might say it, but I just say de Sales. Um, who is from the French uh, Swiss border near Geneva, around that area. Um, but when I first chose him, I chose him because I was looking at the time for like quotes that would help me with this anxiety I had as a kid. So I was a very anxious child, um, oftentimes worried about my own life and my family's life constantly. And the only person I ever got like relief for it from was reading some of Francis de Sales' quotes. And so for me, at the time, that was my almost entire reason for picking him, was that I found some quotes I liked, and I thought, hey, this guy was really helpful to me. Didn't know anything else about him. Um, but then, as I've researched him this past two or three years, and learned so much more about him. It's weird how many connections he's had to like other parts of my life, and especially this year, Newman's life, um, that I never realized. So I, a friend once told me, I don't know if you guys agree with this, that we think we choose our confirmation mm -hmm. saints, but oftentimes they're choosing us. I was know? just going to say that. Right. Like, it, it hasn't, my definitely <laughs> chose me. It hasn't felt yeah. more true to this past two years, yeah. but it really does. Um, and maybe that's the case for you too, Maddie. But mm -hmm. um, anyways, Francis de Sales was born in the mid-1500s um, to a, like a lordly family in France. Um, let me think. He was born just around the time, just after St. Ignatius died. So he's coming into this... Um, Counter-Reformation era where there's a lot of um, Protestant strains growing in Northern Europe, but being or living near Geneva, he lived near the the central home of Calvinism, where John Calvin was um, had the rule of the land in that town. If that makes sense, but he went to school in Paris for a long time, um, where he actually encountered that issue of predestination. And here's an example of where I, I didn't realize we had so much in common, but. He also became paralyzed by his anxiety over this one issue. And it was an issue that's very abstract, but he wasn't sure whether or not predestination was real because it's very hard to refute beyond just trusting that God is more loving than to be predestined, you know? But eventually he did come to that place where he trusted in God's love after praying a memorare and consecrating himself to the Virgin Mary. He found that he could allow himself. Catherine's <laughs> saying, oh yeah, Making I get it. I get it. No, she gets it, yeah. Oh, it's, it's helpful, so good. Right? Mary's so good. But, uh, oh yeah, the other thing was he went to a Jesuit school in Paris as well, which is interesting because, again, it's right after the Jesuits were founding these places. Yeah. Um, and I went going to a Jesuit high school myself. It's funny to see how that also interconnects everywhere. But, so after that, uh, he became a priest and was known for being a, a cub, what do you call it? A loved confessor and spiritual director, like a guide to many people. He was seen as someone who was incredibly gentle and well-spoken and a good writer, um, which was interesting because he also challenged people really intensely and wanted them to be better, but was so gentle with people. If you read his writings, you'll see this. Some of his famous quotes are, be who you are and be that well. Um, or another one has to do with the fact that we might imagine the call to love means loving the strangers across the world who are the most different from us, but in fact the call to love is incredibly important with the people next to us, like our parents and our brothers and sisters. So that is, if you can't even love them, it's, it's, it's not even the same to try and be loving strangers across the world, if that makes sense. People you don't interact with every day. But um, he eventually was asked to be the Bishop of Geneva, 
um, which I said is, was a Calvinist like a mega center at the time. But because it was ruled by that um, denomination or that split, sorry, he had to like direct them from a town across the lake in a different in a different town called Annecy. Um, but what was interesting is to still get the word out and work with this community, he decided to start working with all the different religious orders that were anywhere near there. So he worked with like uh, women's religious orders, with the Capuchins, with the Jesuits, and he had this one idea that was really popular to write little leaflets that would just like give people questions to chew on or might refute something John Calvin had said that was actually really damaging and harmful. And he'd, he would go around sliding these leaflets under people's doors for them to read. Um, and he slowly, supposedly, was considered one of the strongest forces to fight back against that Calvinist growth in, in Geneva and, in a way, save people from the trap of predestination, you know, the, the logical trap that that belief would catch you into. Um, which is fascinating when you hear about kind of the success he had. But as I mentioned again, he worked with so many various orders um, that he, at one point was reported to have had a vision to, uh, given to him by Francis of Assisi where he said, you are just like me in the sense that you wish for martyrdom, but you won't be given it. You must find your martyrdom in your service to this world. And then later on, in, in, toward, toward the end of his life, he founded an oratory of St. Philip Neri um, near Lake Geneva as well. But it sadly, because it was near the end of his life, it kind of fizzled out after he passed away. But there's just all of these different ways in which like, he's attached to these various orders and spiritualities. And yet, started, he started his own religious order called the Oblates of Francis de Sales. Um, or that one followed him, rather. Um, but in the end, I think what I was trying to hint at is that there's just so many weird connections in my life that I never foresaw. One, he's the patron saint of writers, um, and I suppose those with like those that nervous fear. And so two things that I definitely would identify with. Um, but he also had one of his slogans taken by John Henry Newman for his, his cardinal motto, Corad Cor Loquitur, is taken from Francis de Sales' uh, philosophy as well. Second, he was one of the first people to write a, a religious guidebook for lay people, you know, one that wasn't uh, just like a catechism, but he wrote like an almost like a, a personal, like, like a book, like a spiritual director would write, but for you specifically, you know, it was called The Introduction to the Devout Life. And that idea of like lay holiness and lay involvement is one that Catherine and I have talked a lot about as being really important in this uh, century or more. But anyways, it's just so weird how he connects to so many things. He's got the oratories, the Jesuits, he's got um, Newman following after him, um, he's got the writing part. It's just crazy, like all the stuff that he did and how loved he was, but also he was a gentle, but but like efficient, uh, what do you call it, arguer, I guess. Yeah. So when you get to heaven, please God, what are you gonna talk to him about? <laughs> I, if he, I want to know if he did person. choose me because that that just feels okay. Wild. The answer is yes. Yeah. Now next question. <laughs> <laughs> um, teach me to be a better writer or something like that. No. That's not gonna matter. No, in no, I'm yeah. kidding. But I don't know. Like in heaven, what else can we talk about? But just know. both be in the joy of each other's presence. You know, God's I'm not sure what we yeah. can talk about. But yeah. um, I don't know. I just want to. I just yeah. Imagine he's a guy that felt a lot of love for a lot of people. And he went about that in a very calm and loving way, you know, and didn't feel the need to be um, fighting in the trenches, per se, but rather loving people gently from afar and pushing them along, you know. So I always admire that about him. He's a good one. Catherine. Who's your confirmation saint? Oh, thanks for asking, guys. <laughs> My saint is St. Bernadette. Who? 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 <laughs> 
I will tell you that now. <laughs> she's very close to my heart. Um, she was born January 7th, 1844, to a very poor family. She had bad asthma. She was sick for most of her life, actually. Um, she is the eldest of nine kids, which I didn't know until today when I was researching. I have a special place in my heart for oldest kids, because <laughs> I am. Um, but she is from France as well. Lords is the way I say it as an American. Um, but in 1858, when she was 14 years old, she was preparing for her first communion um, at the, around this time, and she went out to collect wood with her sister and a friend. And while they were out there, they the sister and friend crossed a stream and Bernadette didn't want to because she was sick all the time and she didn't want to get her socks wet because she knew she'd get in trouble slash sick. Classic. It's kind of smart, honestly. Yeah. But <laughs> For finally she's like, okay, I'm going to do it. And she started to take her socks off and then she heard some uh, movement up in the grotto across the stream and she looked around and then she saw this beautiful lady um, up in the grotto and so she knelt down and she started to pray the rosary. Um, and she asked her, after the rosary, asked her sister and friend, like, did you see that lady too? And they were like, no, you crazy person. No. Um, but that lady appeared to her 17 more times at the grotto um, over, you know, a couple months. And Bernadette was not educated. She was poor. She never learned to read or write. So to have this lady appear to her, she wasn't 100% sure who it was. Um, but the lady just said, I promise you happiness, not in this life, but the next. And would tell her different things during these apparitions. Like, on the 25th of February, the lady told her to drink of the water of the spring, to wash in it, and to eat the herb that grew there. And then on the 2nd of March, she told Bernadette, you need to build a chapel here and have a procession formed. And so, on the 16th apparition... On the 25th of March, which is the Feast of the Annunciation, the lady revealed who she was because Bernadette was like, wait, who are you? Had to ask <laughs> and the lady said, who are you? Who are you? Who are you, people? <laughs> the lady said, I am the Immaculate Conception. The what? <laughs> the what? No, the Immaculate Conception, which is crazy because let's review. This is a poor, uneducated mm -hmm. 14 year old. And what year is it, too? It's 1858. Mm -hmm. wow. Four years prior, um, had made had been made dog, dogma. Um, How the whole, would she know? The idea of Immaculate Conception. Yeah, she lives in like the slums. There's no way she would have known. Um, so she was ridiculed by authorities and clergy, but she remained determined, loving, and courageous throughout all this. Can you, I don't know, can you just imagine being a teenage girl and like, getting just like attacked by people who are you know just like no yeah. you're wrong <laughs> and yeah and stop like stop tricking people <laughs> and you're just trying to like receive your first communion and yeah. be a good little a girl and like help your mom and yeah wait yeah, how yeah. old is she again 14 yeah that's a freshman in high school yeah. like that's a baby and just like <laughs> can you just imagine like your parish priest like getting up with all the other diocesan priests and just like yelling like, at you what did she say again like tell yeah. me again write yeah. that down write that down all had to be so new yeah, yeah it's crazy <laughs> so there's a lot more that goes along with our lady of lords and that whole story but um 
So in 1862, the church declared her vision to be authentic and supernatural. So four years after, which I think is like oh, pretty quick. That is. Honestly. That's great. Um, and then in 1866, she, Bernadette entered the Sisters of Charity and Ooh. spent the rest of her life there praying for sinners. I didn't know that. Oh, that's great. So that's... she never bathed in the, the water at Lourdes. She, um, she walked through it, though. She, but she never came back. I mean, back, she was the first I mean. one. Yeah, yeah, she never, you know, people go there for healing or yeah. whatever, and she never went herself. And then she wow. died at the age of 35 in 1879. Wow. Okay. I, was I didn't realize she died, so... I was wondering, like, yeah. what what is that like in the back half of her life when people are like, you're that girl? She basically left and didn't left ever come world. back. Yeah. Left Lords and never came back. Mm. Um, I wonder if people went to visit her. Or could they, could they not because she was cloistered? I don't think so. She, there's There was a quote, I should have written it down, something about how... The Blessed Virgin Mary used her like a broom and then put her to the side. Like, that's all. She was used to okay. remove the dust and to do whatever and then put her to the side. And she was content with that. Mm. And I think that's that's beautiful. So she died praying the rosary. Which goals. And then her body was um, exhumed in 1909 and was incorrupt. And then exhumed again 10 years later in 1919 and was incorrupt. Wow. So you can go see her. Not in Lourdes, in the other town that I don't remember the name of. Um, so she was canonized on December 8th, 1933. Everyone knows what day that is. Pearl Harbor. He, oh. Yeah. <laughs> December 7th? That's the 7th, I think, or 6th. And um, the 8th is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. It's oh, oh, a holy me. day of obligation, <laughs> so you need to go to She's like, um, which Are is fun because wrong, that's what Mary said to her. Everyone knows what day it is relating to Bernadette. Pearl Harbor. <laughs> day after. Yeah. Um, yeah, the 7th. It's the 7th. You just get a lot of Marian tie-ins. So many Marian tie-ins, which is so fun for me because, anyway, I'll talk about it later. But she's a patron of shepherds and people who are persecuted for their faith. Her feast day is... I, there was discrepancy in this. Her feast day in France and Canada is April 16th, but everywhere else it's February 18th. Huh. And the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes is the 11th of February. Hmm. Um, Might have been a local tradition that the that realm eventually added on to the rest of the world. Yeah, I don't know. But whatever. I usually celebrate February 18th. Yeah. Um, so I chose her because when I was a kid, we had this video on her. St. Bernadette. Mm. I think we looked it up before, Shane. It was like a cartoon oh, video. Oh, it's awesome. And it did her <laughs> life. And it's not like crazy creepy or anything. No, it's like it's really good. Animation. It has cute little music and mm-hmm. learned about her there. Um, so I knew about her. And then when I was a kid, I was like in first grade, I think, so six or seven. And I was like, Mom, like, who? What's my guardian angel's name? Like, what is, what's saints are looking after me? And my mom was like, I don't know, you gotta ask him. So that night I like asked in prayer and I swear to you, Bernadette appeared in my dream. I'm not joking. So it was really cool. So she's been close to me since then and and then when I was I was confirmed when I was thirteen and Bernadette was fourteen when all this happened. So when you see saints that are kind of your own age, oh it's fine. You're just attracted to them and you're like, This yeah. is this is pretty cool. Um and then like you were saying, Ching, I really think she chose me. I have such a close relationship with her and Mary, Our Lady of Lourdes specifically, and yeah, she's she's cool. 
Um, I have a question. I yes. watched in one of my religion classes a like live action Bernadette movie. Have you seen this? Is it the song of Bernadette? Yes. Yeah. I was I have not seen that, but I saw oh, it on really? Google. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, There's so many like there, little films out there. The like two kids that are with her. Um, her sister and her friend. Yeah. Um, I I just do you know anything about? I don't them? know anything okay. about them. I thought they eventually became part of the. The, the like the investigation yeah. and the visions. I thought that they also shared the visions at one point. No, they never, they never saw her. They never did. Bernard, that's okay. the one I saw her. Yeah. Uh, okay. I remember in the movie they like get investigated. Um, to account then, for their friend, yeah. Yeah, and then they like died really young, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know a lot about that movie. I was yeah. reading though that the the script or whatever was written by a Jewish guy. Oh, okay. who said if I could escape to America well, he was hiding out in Lourdes, and he just loved the hospitality he received there, and was so thankful, and he said, if I can escape the war, go to America, then I'm the going to write this, and then he wrote it, and it was pretty, oh, well, pretty popular, I haven't seen it, really but it's cool. pretty popular. Yeah I, yeah, I remember it being a decent movie. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, two of my favorite quotes from her is, there's one, and I was said it the other day, and I didn't realize I was even quoting her. My job is to inform, not to convince. <laughs> I like was Ooh, telling someone something that's and I was cool. like, I'm not going like to try to convince you. Yeah. yeah. And then another one that I had up in my room for a while at home was, nothing is anything more to me. Everything is nothing to me but Jesus. Neither things nor persons, neither ideas nor emotions, neither honor nor sufferings. Jesus is for me honor, delight, heart, and soul. I think that's good. Oh, and there's another quote. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> another quote about um, if you have trouble falling asleep, you should just pray your rosary, and it's like a baby who falls asleep crying, Mama, Mama. Oh, I think okay. that's really... <laughs> how many times I've fallen asleep while praying the rosary, and I'm like, oh, I just love that idea. And then another comment apparently she made, she didn't like painted images of Mary because she said that they didn't look like her at all. Like, she's way more beautiful than any other, any painting. I mean, fair. I'm like, probably right. Yeah. One thing I find really cool about Marian Apparitions is just how she, like, just, like, fits into the culture and, like, Mm -hmm. the, like, demographic of the area, but, like, still everyone who sees her is, like, she's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen, you know? It's so good. And then I got to, I got to go to Lourdes at Easter time for a week and highlight of my life honestly top 10 favorite weeks wow (laughs) top three favorite it was so cool to like learn about lords and you have a fake grotto at Notre Dame and like Bernadette is my girl and like I consecrated myself to Jesus through Mary on Our Lady of Lords and so Mm -hmm. I just it all came and I was like this place is so cool Mm. it's real there we go that's my confirmation saved we had a, um, a mini grotto in my high school um, courtyard, yeah. and then um, I went to Notre Dame, and, like, there was the big one, and yeah. I, I like, genuinely did not, like, yeah. connect, yeah. Uh, well, I connected them to each other, yeah. but I did not realize that there was a Lawrence. bigger one, because I was, like, yeah. there's, like, a small one, I was, like, cool, and then you get to Notre Dame, and you're, like, whoa, this bigger, is the real thing. yeah, like, it gets oh, there's a bigger one. There's yeah. a lot of them in Ireland too. There's one by my my gym that's huge. It's about the, it's a little bigger than Notre Dame's, but yeah, there was a yeah. little one in Wexford that I went to with uh, Claire once. Mm-hmm. Well, what a great podcast! Yeah. yeah. Well, 
the reason we talk about these uh, confirmation saints is because we're working with the school here in Ireland uh, and we're preparing kids for their confirmation and like to you know to choose saints of their own right or to yeah. accept saints of their own but also because it's uh, the week after All Saints Day right yeah yeah so thank you guys for letting Depending us share on when this podcast day. comes out true because <laughs> uh, Halloween one came out really late <laughs> it wasn't that bad but yeah oh I think we have some shout outs to give we I think do so. let me look up who we have. A uh, little Instagram competition giveaway. It wasn't Ooh. a competition. Yeah, it was a competition. But we had some winners of that competition, so we're going to give them a shout out some now. Loyal fans. So if yeah, you are me... out there, you should first follow at ND Newman Center. Yes. Center spelled at C E N T R E. That's right. Still Who did we pick? And then we have three winners. And they won a poster from our canonization. Mass. They won some stickers. They won um, a pilgrimage book, and now they're winning a shout out. Yeah. So our winners were Lizzie Henry. Um, her handle is Lizzie Henry one five zero four. We don't. Uh, if people want to go follow her, she's cool. Shout out L I Z Z Y. Shout out. <laughs> shout out. Um, <laughs> our other one uh, was Ruth Ahern. Yes. Yes, Ruth yes. Ahern, um, but her handle is Ruth, then a Y, and then A-H-E-R-N-E. Mm-hmm. That's and her she's, Instagram. She's a pretty cool girl, too, with some she fun stories too. and reflections on Instagram. She sent us a really, really nice message about, um, after after she won the giveaway, um, about how much she loves John Henry Newman. It was really cool. And then we've got Grace Leona Kelly. I don't know if that's her real name. I don't know. But it would be great if her name, her real name was Grace Kelly. Um, <laughs> oh, I knew a Grace Kelly in college, actually. Yeah, that's so great. Um, so that's Grace, L-E-O-N-A, Kelly. K-E-L-L-Y. Shout out. <laughs> Those are all our shout outs. You've that's been shouted out. out. <laughs> yeah. Um, what we forgot to do last week was remind you guys to follow us on all social media platforms please especially our twitter our twitter is so sad really sad at house of bridget yeah yeah at house of bridget chalk breed um so we only have 13 followers right now let's change that and if you ever want to come meet us we are at mass every sunday at 11 a.m and 6 15 p.m at newman university church yeah we are so you should come to mass also, you see Jesus in us. Um, also, if you want to tell us about your favorite confirmation saint, not your favorite, favorite. Your, your <laughs> only one, one of your many confirmation saints, <laughs> your only confirmation Top saint, ten. yeah, um, email talkbreed at gmail.com. Yeah, and maybe we'll read your story aloud. That's right. Yeah, all right. Well, thank you for listening. We'll see you. Any events, real quick, to plug, real fast. Then on the 14th as well, we're having a panel discussion by some representatives from the uh, the media and journalism industry uh, talking about the intersection of faith and uh, media, I suppose. So these will be people that are from NBC, from Crooks, which is a Catholic magazine or online journal, uh, sorry, a newspaper. And then we're going to have one of our friends, Michael Kelly, the editor of the Irish Catholic, uh, moderating the discussion between them. But yeah, it should be interesting. These are some... Pretty experienced people, right? It'll be some fun times. Yeah. November fourteenth. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's pray to our confirmation saint, Saint Joan of Arc. Pray for us. Saint 
Francis de Sales. Pray for us. St. Bernadette. Pray for us. St. Bridget. Pray for us. St. John Henry Newman. Pray for us. So everyone many saints. Attack you on the Patrick. Everyone. <laughs> everyone pray, pray for us. Okay.